0: This is Shays. Here's the jump hook. It's good. Sykes has it. Half court heat for the win. He got it! Baked it in for the win. And now we've got a battle. Kareem against Shays. Doug Moe trying to get his players back. They don't want a technical foul. They're still in a a lock here.
1: Kareem has got a headlock on Shays. This is Shays and Higgins.
0: All right, everybody, welcome in. Thursday Sweet 16. About four hours away right now. We're getting to the games. As we get on throughout our show today, i will hear from Debbie Antonelli uh, this week of ESPN. Last week of uh, CBS and Turner going from the men's games to the women's games. She'll join us at uh, 3.30, so we'll be able to hit both sides of the bracket. The men starting their Sweet 16 tonight and the women starting theirs tomorrow. Brian Higgins and uh, Danny Shays uh, with you here today. Danny, I figure we'll, we'll get into the games in about uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. But if you may indulge me to sh- start the show, I have a bone to pick. I've come up with a bone to pick about um, how uh, everything is going on uh, with the orange women's basketball team. And I'll say this, it has, uh, get this, it has nothing to do with the fact that there's no coach yet. And I expect that probably before the end of the week uh, it has nothing to do with the players in the transfer portal. My problem here, Danny, is the players in the transfer portal's dads. So, uh, I, I will. T- I, I will explain to you this here in a second. But uh, my problem is the dads. If you can, uh, you're a dad yourself. You, you may understand where I'm going with this.
2: I do actually. Uh, I have seen the uh, uh, the, the reporting. It's, uh, same as you, uh, dads talking about uh, you know the teams. I don't know that. I can really disagree with them is the challenge. Uh, you know, I get that they're, uh, you know, chirping a little bit, uh, standing up for their daughters. But, uh, you, know, the, uh, you know, the biggest complaint about the, you know, the dysfunction and instability of the team is kind of there. And uh, uh, but we'll get into that more and more.
0: Uh, my problem is, uh, and I'll say this also my problem is not the general idea of the dad sticking up for their daughter. So there's three women's players in the transfer portal right now uh, Juliana Walker, who was a freshman this year, uh, and both uh, Chris Lynn and Chrissy Carr. Still not related. Uh, I don't know how many times I've said that over the last uh, five months. Uh,
2: Nor are both, your dads men... both named Chris Carr related. So that's. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Chrissy's dad, Chris, uh, he would have been uh, the beginning of his NBA career, would have intersected uh, with the end of uh, your NBA uh, career there, at least for a year or two. Chris was uh, in at least one dunk, dunk contest, decent player, uh, on and on and on. My my problem is not with that. My problem is uh, it's not with the players either. And I, I will agree with their dads in this sense. Yeah, this year was screwed up. No one's going to argue with that. Uh, Yeah, it's not what the players signed up for. They were all there before things went haywire and you had a completely different stamp and season and roster around you and the whole thing that you had expected. Yep. My my problem is not that these players said, well, that was screwed up. Let's go try it somewhere else. Understandable. If not, uh, I'd agree with them 100%. Yeah, you signed up here to have a completely different year than you had. I get it. It's not what you wanted. My problem is I do not understand where these dads are coming from throwing the Syracuse situation under the bus, knowing this, that their daughters still needed another school to play at. And if I am a coach at another school, I would be less inclined to take uh, the daughter or son, if it was that case of someone who you know is going to be potentially out there saying crazy things about you, As a head coach, Danny, so I don't know what you think about that. I would be more, and it has nothing to do with the talent of these three players or any of that, but I'd say it might break a tie against them if you're looking at a couple players in the portal and you know uh, one player's dad might say something about you as a head coach if the season doesn't go as expected and the other player's parents may not. How about you? I'm, I'm leaning toward the one whose parents may not say something crazy about me that connect the dots three steps down the line. I'm out of job in two or three years like that is a legitimate issue in this day and age.
2: Well, it's funny because the spectrum of dad comments, parent comments. Uh, uh, you know, even agent comments really runs the spectrum. Uh, you go, you know, let's go back a few years to Lavar Ball, uh, you know, with Lonzo coming out, uh, all the noise that he made that he had, uh, you know, the middle one getting arrested in China. Lamello, of course, you know, turning into the best one. But they became, the Suns became plutonium. Uh, UCLA didn't want him anymore. Uh, the mm-hmm. Lakers didn't want Lonzo. Anymore, it was just too much, too big a show. Uh, that's the extreme example. But you know, to get to your point, now you have an example of young players looking for a place to land, uh, looking to be part of a team. And the last thing you know, you don't want the coaches thinking, "Okay, am I, you know, am I bringing on a problem here with the dad, uh, uh, you know, throwing me under the bus if things don't go the way the daughter goes?" I mean. Uh, you know Julianne's dad saying, "Well, the coach flat out lied to me. I wanted the red shirt. He said no, but then didn't play me. I lost the year." Uh, mm-hmm. You know that was, uh, you know, probably the you know the most extreme. The other comments, yes, that the team was dysfunctional. Uh, well, in their mind, but you know clearly upheaval happened uh, that made it a very difficult year. And actually, under the circumstances, you have to really look at the you know wow the you know eleven wins under that those circumstances. Uh, you know, is not, uh, you know, 2 and 28, right? I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, there, it was a fingers in the dike year, but uh, a lot of fingers in the dike kept the, you know, kept the thing together. So, uh, you know, at least for much of the year. So uh, it was definitely an up and down year, but I totally get your point that the next coach is looking at these, you know, these, these players, uh, you know, have to wonder if they're bringing in uh, uh, more problems than they're working.
0: And I'll say this, this has nothing to do with the players because, um, you know, I've been around that group all season and, you know, Rocky start once they kind of got into the rhythm of the season, kind of after Thanksgiving, I, I would say the team had reasonably good team chemistry, all things considered, everybody kind of got along for the most part. There was no, uh, dramatic exploding problems on the court or anything like that. So this is nothing against uh, the players. I mean, they, they, Take them. They'll be a fine asset to your program, whomever is looking at it. It's just I, if I'm a coach right now and you look at how how things are going down with coaches losing jobs and things falling apart around them, uh, is the risk worth it? And it goes into this math, Danny. Uh, this is uh, from this morning, people that keep track of this thing in uh, the basketball circles. As of four hours ago, there were more than 625 Division I women's basketball players in the portal already. And that number has not stopped growing. So you look at three Syracuse players in there, it's a sprinkle in the pond. Like if you look at that and say, ah, is it worth it? Well, you got 600 more people to look at. It's not like you got two more people. To look at. you got, You got 600 people to look at. There's not a shortage
2: of options out there. Well, and and the point you bring up is actually a small part of a way bigger pie, and that is, you know, players really understanding what coaches want and how to give it to them, how to present that. Uh, You know, your point is coaches don't want problems, right? If we're going to start with the Mm -hmm. negative. Yeah, they don't want to bring a problem. Uh, They want to bring in, especially looking in the portal, they're looking for one of two things. Fill out the roster with a great role player to make everyone better. Or in a, like a Syracuse instance where they're kind of rebuilding a roster, you know, look for somebody who can step up and be a team leader. But again, problems, not the issue uh, uh, that they're looking for. It's anyone that's going to make them extra work, not what they're looking for, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. especially as you mentioned, it's a buyer's market. Way more players than uh, you know, then opportunities to start with. I mean, that'll obviously kind of shake itself out as more teams lose players and more positions open up. Uh, but you know, in a buyer's market, uh, you know, you need to provide the goods, not uh, uh, you know, not the problems.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, in the transfer portal. So often, what you hear after the fact is uh, the success stories. I mean, you look at uh, players that left Syracuse. Uh, last year, Emily Engsler, one seed, Sweet 16. Right. Camilla Cardozo, South Carolina, one seed, Sweet 16. Like, that's people landing in a spot that have a legitimate chance to win the title this year. What is not told out of 625 in the portal right now, not all of them are like, there's not that many chairs. It's a game of musical chairs. You're not guaranteed a place to sit down. So that's the story uh, not told on the other side. So again, this is nothing against the players uh, leaving the program after this last year and a coaching change and then a second coaching change essentially in the last six months. You know, It's very understandable, and we'll see. The good news here, Danny, was 625 in the portal right now, whomever the next coach is, and my best guess is we'll know that by end of day tomorrow, and if not that, I'd say Monday at the absolute latest. They got to fill out a roster. At least they got a list to go look at. <laughs> like they, they got a, a group of people uh, to go look at and uh, have some options coming in. So that is at least the good side, right? Of uh, looking forward at the Syracuse uh, women's team to next year. That, okay, yeah, people are going out, but it's not like there's no way to get people to play basketball next year. <laughs>
2: Exactly, and especially if they get a coach with a great reputation, somebody who comes in with enthusiasm, with energy, you know, looking to turn around a program that was a Final Four team not too long ago, uh, this mm-hmm. is going to be an opportunity for some of those better players to find a great, pot, a great spot to land.
0: But I'll say this. Uh, you talk about the most attractive part of the job from a head coaching perspective or recruits in the portal looking for uh, a place to land. Yeah, they played in the national title game six years ago. That that's a thing you can sell, and uh, that that's a thing that uh, is uh, out there for players coming into the program. Hey, it's a, a big reason a lot of the players came to the program uh, that were in the portal coming in over the last season. Why they know Syracuse because of that run uh, six years ago when that group of players, give or take, were uh, roundabout high school seniors that had already made uh, their initial college choice. So we shall see. Uh, my guess is they are have a women's head coach by Monday at the absolute latest. Uh, and uh, I would not be shocked. I, in fact, I'd be more surprised than otherwise if that does not happen uh, before. The process is uh, moving, and uh, we shall see who that name is uh, sooner than later. Anyway, I had to get that off my chest before we get into uh, the men's hoops tonight. The Sweet 16 is around the corner. There's four Four games tonight. You know what that means, Danny? You can put together a parlay on FanDuel. you, you got the overs, the unders, you've got uh, money lines, you've got first half lines, second half lines, uh, lots of stuff you can do. All you need to get your parlay insurance is three legs or more, up to $25 you get back. If it's just one leg short, you can do it today. You can combine today and tomorrow. You can look ahead to the Elite Eight. Whatever you want, that $25 back is available once each day on the parlay insurance for the NCAA Tournament. And as always, if you're new to FanDuel, sign up with our promo codes, Danny and the Cuse, basketball in Utica, Danny and the Cuse, basketball in Utica. You can get involved all tournament long. As always, you must be 21 or over and physically present in New York. If exactly one leg of your parlay loses, your refund will be issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Hey, if no legs of your parlay lose, you just win. That's also pretty good. That's uh, an NCAA tournament SBK wager. Restrictions supply The terms or at sportsbook.fanduel.com. For help with a gambling problem, it's one 877 8 hope or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. We'll break down the games next. Four games tonight, we'll tell you about them when we come back. Debbie Antonelli at the bottom of the hour today at Shays and Higgins on a Thursday at QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.
1: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is Shays and Higgins. This is Shays and
0: Higgins, rocking along here on a Thursday. Sweet sixteen tonight. Looking forward to that. Cuse, obviously uh, not involved, but uh, lots of other stuff to watch and uh, talk about. Brian, Higgins, Danny Shays with you, and Danny. Uh, here's our lineup tonight. Uh, 7 o'clock CBS. All of the games are uh, here in one way or another, by the way, on the Westwood coverage. But 7 o'clock CBS, mm-hmm. Gonzaga in Arkansas. That's a 1-4. Uh, 7.29 on CBS is a 2-seed Nova and an 11-seed Michigan. 9.39 scheduled on CBS is Duke and Texas Tech. That's a 2-3. And, and a minute shy of 10 <coughs> o'clock with Arizona and Houston. Uh, that game is on uh, TBS. Uh, so those okay. are your games. Uh, here tonight, Danny. What's uh, what's the first thing that pops to you? What what, what pops off the cheat tonight about these four?
2: Well, when I look at these games, I see the, these top seeds playing against physical, aggressive, in your face. Don't care who you are. Teams and it's really going to come down to you know who can control the pace and who can control the you know just the style of play. I mean, look at Gonzaga. Um, you know, the other game, they're they're down huge early. Drew Timmy has a big second half to get them back into it. Uh, but Arkansas comes in. You know, likes to play physical and aggressive. You go over to the other side uh, with with Texas Tech against Duke. Uh, you know, look at look for them to pack the lane tonight and take Duke's bigs out of it, force them into a three point shooting team, and then on the other end going right at them i mean i th- i really see texas tech just trying to beat duke up tonight same thing with houston and arizona uh you know arizona is big and long and quick but i, I look at you going inside and with their physical play and that's really what i see michigan uh the other Mich- michigan villanova game michigan the but you know they're a team we've had our eye on which team's going to show up and to have you know gotten their mojo together and again, I think you're going to see them try and be the physical rebounding inside aggressive team. And so that's what I really see in these matchups. These top seeds are all playing against teams that are, are not going to be intimidated. They're going to be, uh, you know, just physical, physical. You're know, trying, to, trying to dominate the game on the inside.
0: It's interesting, Danny, like you said there. And it's almost exclusively across the board what you're saying tonight. Uh, Gonzaga, Arkansas, Duke, Texas Tech, Arizona, Houston – it's almost the same thing in all three, where the the, uh, the higher-seeded team, the better-seeded team, plays at a faster pace, is higher scoring, and the lower-seeded team is mm. a more defensive, grinding, physical outfit. It's slightly different in Nova and Michigan in that Nova is one of the slowest-paced teams in the country this year, the difference being they're one of the most efficient teams in the country, and Michigan is, right. is w- way bigger than them. All right, let's start with the Zags in Arkansas. Arkansas is somehow in the Sweet 16. They did not look great. In the first week, uh, Gonzaga had to really crank it up in the second half of their second-round game uh, to beat Memphis. And uh, again, are, are you feeling the Zags get through this one? They're the biggest favorite here tonight, or or is this a trouble game against this
2: uh, Musselman squad? You know, I just have not seen Gonzaga as themselves really, really, you know, like take over games. You know, I've seen them, you know, hang around and and play well. You've got Drew Timmy as a great leader of that team, you know, so we'll see what he comes with tonight. Uh, But I just have not seen them, uh, you know, have their way with anyone. And so uh, looking at this as a much tighter game. Uh, than people expect, and you know we'll see. Like I said, we'll see which Gonzaga team shows up. But I just, outside of Drew Timmy, I have not seen Gonzaga establish themselves as a fourth.
0: That's the uh, that game's in San Francisco. That's in the Warriors' uh, new arena. The game that will follow that and their Elite Eight opponent will come from Texas Tech or Duke. Texas Tech's the three, Duke's the two. This is very rare to see this in games seated like this. Texas Tech is favored in the game uh, by a point right now, and against Duke, I mean. Like Usually, Duke is favored just by showing up into the arena just because everyone knows Duke and bets on Duke. So just seeing that was surprising. So I guess it's simple, Danny. Is tonight Coach K's last game?
2: Well, you and I have watched this Duke team uh, falter at the end of games with the exception of against Michigan State where they did make big plays, the Paolo Banchero, Banchero especially. Uh, really stepped up in that game. But we've seen Duke fade. And Texas Tech is going to be coming right at them. Physical, like I said, I see them packing the lane, forcing Duke to become a three-point shooting team. Uh, really, you know, going after the boards, you know, being aggressive on both boards. And then we're going to have to see if Duke can hang in there with a the three point. I, I mean, I haven't seen anyone uh, across the board on the media side or certainly on the, uh, you know, the line side picking Duke in this game. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of people who think that, you know, this is the end. Uh, you know, as you know, I picked Michigan State uh, to beat him and, uh, you know, it was a you know game right to the end. So I, I see this as being a very tough win for Duke tonight.
0: I am uh, the fact that literally, and you're right, I have not heard anybody favoring Duke tonight. It's been a lot of Texas Tech talk. Uh, this team is Duke's kryptonite and all that. And I agree with the sentiment. But the fact that literally nobody is picking Duke for like the first time in 40 years is confusing me so much. It just makes you think that Coach Gale, will, will pull one out tonight. I got Mark Williams as the most important player of this game tonight, uh, one way or another. If he plays well, then I think Duke can hang in on the inside with the physicality of Texas Tech. And if not, uh, then all those issues that Duke may have tonight kind of kind of line up there for Texas Tech. That's going to be a very uh, interesting game from the Chase Center in San Francisco tonight. Uh, the two games in the South region they'll be in San Antonio this is the Spurs arena where they'll be playing tonight. two seed Nova 11 seed Michigan. this is interesting Danny Michigan's no normal 11 seed. They were preseason top 10 so you know they have right. talent. Hunter Dickinson is still seven foot one. Nova doesn't play anybody taller than six eight. That said, I still got a Nova lean tonight. I don't know how you're feeling about this. Nova Nova feels like they got that Nova thing going again.
2: I think they do. They feel good about it. Uh, you know, as you know, I've always, since it started, I said, boy, I really want to see Michigan do something just on a personal side. Uh, you know, uh, know Juwan Howard pretty well, big fan of his. Uh, and after his up and down year, you know, with the whole slap incident, uh, I was really curious to see who was going to show up, whether Michigan would be. Uh, you know just from a team standpoint right and, and since he since John was out you know for the last half of well, the last third of the season all the way through the start of the tournament and uh-huh. uh, but you know I have to give you credit you know I think uh, I, you know I like Villanova because of their efficiency maturity as a team and how they've played all year uh, but you know this is this is a tougher one for me to pick because again I'm not sure which Michigan team's going to show up tonight uh, but Villanova' has been steady and so I, as well.
0: Yeah, I'd say if talent plays to its ceiling, Michigan's probably the better team. But Villanova uh, much more often plays towards its ceiling than uh, Michigan does. And uh, Colin Gillespie, you got the six year guard at your starting point guard. This feels like a uh, kind of a Gillespie kind of weekend here for Villanova. That game in San Antonio will play the winner of Houston and Arizona in the Elite Eight. Arizona, the uh, number two overall seed coming into the tournament, they survived their scare uh, last round. Uh, at least a scare against TCU. What's amazing here is Houston's a five seed, Danny. The the computers, the metrics, they love Houston, love them. Arizona, despite being the second ranked team coming in, is only a point and a half favorite tonight. This is another interesting game. You got a first year head coach in Tommy Lloyd, and you have a veteran upon veteran in Kelvin Sampson mm-hmm. on the other side. That 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 kind of scares me a little bit if you're Arizona here tonight.
2: Well, I watched Houston starting in their conference tournament when they beat Memphis in the championship game. And as you know, I wasn't super high on them coming into the tournament just because they seemed, you know, just up and down. But they've played with the physical, with the energy, with the toughness. And uh, Arizona, you mentioned their last game, uh, you know, really, to, you know, hold on. Uh, ben Matherin with that, you know, just great finish. Uh, Christian uh, had such a strong game inside, uh, you know. That's you know those those two scored what seventy five percent of their points. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that they can beat Houston doing that, right? You, you know, is going to have to you know be as, you know be good, but they need some other guys to step up. Uh, and uh, you know, so right now, you know, you, as you know, I picked Arizona to go to the Final Four, so I'm not going to jump ship right now. But uh, but Houston's been growing on me.
0: Yeah, I mean, Houston's uh, quite a story. Final four last year, they, they beat the Orange on the way there in the Sweet 16. Physical bunch, the whole deal. But between graduation from last year and injuries very early in this year, they're down four starters for last year's team. It's a completely different group. And somehow they're still doing it with the same style, and the same whole thing. Very impressive. I'd say last thought on uh, tonight for now, Danny. Uh, the main thing that I'm wondering here tonight, Sweet 16, kind of trying to figure it out, get your feet wet in it. It feels like we may be in for some lower-scoring grinders uh, tonight, which maybe that that's the reason you favor some of these underdogs here because that plays to their style, at least in the way teams may arrive here tonight.
2: I think for sure you're going to see low field goal percentage games. You're going to see, I think, slower games, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of natural because – is every possession becomes so critical, right? Teams are making the extra pass. That defenses are, uh, you know, half a step quicker and more aggressive. Uh, every play becomes, uh, you know, much more of a uh, of a thing. You know, there's very, you know, there's a much lower number of just kind of giveaway plays. You know, where you just uh, you're kind of loafing. So, so I, I see. I, you know, as you mentioned, I see the defense is playing a much bigger part. The you know the physicalness, that uh, you know lower fuel percentage games. Lower scoring games. There's been a actually a lot of pretty low scoring games so far in the tournament. And I see that continuing.
0: Yeah. And it won't be the, you know, the, the final four reason you sometimes get with a, a court plopped in the middle of a hundred thousand seat uh, football stadium. These are both NBA arenas, so it's not, you know, crazy backdrops and the whole thing, but it, it just feels like kind of a, a defense um, or missed shots, however you want to call it, may have their foot forward tonight which uh, may uh, be a little lower scoring, but I, I bet we got some close basketball games tonight. So looking forward to that uh, group of four. We'll hit the uh, group of four tomorrow night when we get closer to tip time for those. Let's hit a break now. We expect to be joined by ESPN and CBS's Debbie Antonelli to break down the men's tournament to now, and she's out in Spokane for the women's Sweet 16 as well, which starts tomorrow. So we'll hit all that when we come back today. It's Shays and Higgins on qSports.com at ESPN Radio.
1: Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportstalk.com. This is Shays and Higgins.
0: Shays and Higgins here on a Thursday brought to you as always by Farone and Son Funeral Home, Brian Higgins, Danny Shays. We head to the guest line right now because we're going to talk men's soups. We're going to talk women's soups. Uh, Debbie Antonelli with us now. Debbie, I think you must have clones because you've been everywhere the last uh, few weeks. You've been at the men's tournament. You're off at the uh, women's tournament in Spokane right now. I'm not sure how you're doing it all, but uh, glad to have you out here for a few minutes.
3: <laughs> Listen, guys, thank you so much for having me on your show. This is uh, a, an incredible time of year for all of us that love the game.
0: <laughs> and uh, you are <laughs> up in sure. uh, Spokane yeah. right now. Uh, go ahead, Denny.
2: No, I was saying, I was saying that, and the beauty of it for you is you get to be on both sides of it. You're getting to see both tournaments live and uh, there's nothing like being in the building. I know you went on their you know, runs and, you know, to be able to go to the regionals and, and then have that exciting week in between. I mean, you're obviously not there, you know, supporting a specific team, but uh, you know, just the excitement of all the fans getting ready and, and the anticipation is, is really what makes the NCAs on both sides so exquisite, right? You know, NBA playoffs, you got game after game, but these one-and-dones has a special level.
3: You're right, Danny. You know, when you're out of sight and uh, the pep band and the cheerleaders are in the lobby of the hotel and all the fans are mingling around and they're hanging out outside the arena on the way in and out, I mean, it's it's really cool. It's special. It's part of the pageantry of college basketball. It's part of what we really love. No matter what side you're on, as a player or if you're working in the media, it still can get you fired up.
0: All right, Debbie, let's uh, let's start with the men's tournament first, and we'll get to where you are with the women uh, momentarily. But you were uh, out in Milwaukee last weekend with uh, Spiro Ditas and uh, saw Iowa State uh, get to the uh, Sweet 16 and Purdue as well. What, what are your main takeaways that you saw from maybe your games or whatever else popped out to you from the opening weekend of the men's tournament?
3: Well, first of all, um, the Purdue uh, bracket now is all busted up, right? I mean, it's amazing mm-hmm. to see the one and two depart. Uh, it opened up the window, and, of course, we in Milwaukee all knew that, and Purdue certainly knew that going into their game. Um, and it, it was um, it produces, unique. They present unique challenges because of their size and because they have Jaden Ivey, who's really unguardable in the open floor. I mean, he's so fast and athletic. He's uh, A lot of people compare him to Russell Westbrook. I compare him a little bit to John Morant because I did have John Morant twice in the NCAA tournament when he was at Murray State. He's fast. He's athletic. And then Zach Eady and Travion Williams up front are really an interesting 20-minute per uh game guys that uh don't get in foul trouble that score on the inside it really presents a lot of challenges for teams i like them in that bracket and then iowa state is um way ahead of schedule i mean tj also in his first year he's done a fantastic job that'll be interesting trying to defend those miami guards uh that'll be a challenge for his defense for sure but there's lots of things we can go lots of places we can go about the men's tournament and the women's tournament guys
2: well, what's interesting for us, obviously, we're you know we're covering the ACC here. We're from the Syracuse side, so we're uh, we're kind of leaning towards those teams. I'm in Phoenix part of the year, so I've been watching Arizona, uh, you know, kind of picking out our favorites. And uh, what we've really you know been impressed by, or at least I have being a big, is how the game seems to be getting more physical again, more inside play, actually. So, some low post play, not just rim protectors on teams, but actually guys who will score in the low post. Uh, you know, obviously drew Timmy is one that stands out, but uh, Christian Coloco for Arizona, you know, put up big numbers, and you know, we're just seeing more and more of these teams with you know, Apollo Bancaro Carroll being, you know, so versatile. You know, more and more teams going inside, and the physicality seems to be really picking up this year compared to years past.
3: You know, I think the game is evolving. You know, you don't see a lot of teams that play a double low post. That's part of the reason why Purdue plays their guys 20 minutes each. Um, it's more of a four-out, one-in, or a five-out motion. And it just the floor has opened up. Because of the range of three-point shooting, you've got post players that can score one-on-one, and you've got the ability to throw it in there, and they can facilitate as well. So it's not the absence of a big that absolutely helps you, but you definitely have to have guards. If you don't have good guards, Uh, Like, that's how Miami was able to beat Auburn. Miami's guards were better than Auburn's guards. Auburn's front line was better than what Miami's front line was. But the speed and the quickness factor out front with the way the court opens up and the space that's being played inside the men's and the women's game has really made it entertaining.
0: Uh, Debbie, I want to get to back to a name you, you mentioned that you got to see last weekend in Milwaukee. That's Jaden Ivy. I, I'd say this is one of the cool stories of you know you look at the two tournaments side by side this year that that Jaden's making a run. Right now, his mom's in the Sweet 16, and uh, Neil Ivy with NC State, or pardon me, with Notre Dame, getting ready to take on NC State. And on top of that, whenever she feels like it, she can probably waggle her national championship ring at her at her son and let, her, <laughs> let him know how it's done. How cool is that story? To see it from both angles here.
3: Well, first of all, Jaden is a wonderful young man, and I know Niel is so happy and proud of what he's been able to do. Um, He's really fascinating to watch, and yes, it is one of the cool stories. And while we were in Milwaukee, both times we had a Zoom call set up that Niel could watch film from her team's meeting room and still watch the game with us and we cut back and forth to that quite a bit and just texting her in between the times that we cut back and forth while we weren't on the air with them was really entertaining for me and fun because you could just feel the pride and you know i mean she's a mom first before anything else so uh, let's just hope that the games aren't being played at the same
2: time because i don't know if either one of them could handle it So, so now you're in you're in Spokane for the women's tournament after being the men's group last week and now you know with the women's group this week. What are what are some of the kind of the interesting things you, you notice? You know the difference between the two. Oh well,
3: I mean the speed of play is one thing, and the guys play above the rim consistently. Um, that's the the biggest change. Um, I think uh, shooting percentages are a little bit better on the men's side, but when you get to the Sweet Sixteen, these sixteen teams on the women's side are really good. Uh, It's interesting, of the uh, 16 teams, South Carolina is the one team that has dominated the women's game all year and plays with two post players. The other 15 in the Sweet 16 play the four-out, one-in, or the five-out motion. So it's really interesting to see the different styles of play and which one will play out because the bracket that South Carolina is in is full of three-point shooting. And that's going to be really interesting to see if they're double-low post game You know, with Aliyah Boston, one of the best players in the country, stepping out away once in a while. But their dominance in the paint and their dominance on the front line versus some of these other teams that really space the floor and shoot the three. I'm in Spokane. I've got two outstanding games out here. I'm very excited about Ohio State and Texas. Ohio State's got a a backcourt that averages almost 40 points a game. And uh, they're not going to see in the Big Ten the kind of defense that Texas plays. It's a very physical up the line, overplaying, ball pressure, full court harassment. Uh, which will be really interesting for Ohio State. And then um, Stanford, the national champions last year against Maryland, who's a healthy Maryland team who's playing their best basketball right now. So we got two great games out here in Spokane.
0: Well, uh, Debbie, Syracuse fans out here, they'll remember Syracuse actually beat Ohio State back uh, on December 1st, which kind of stands out as a a peculiar result over the entire course of this season. But uh, (laughs) the games last weekend, like I've had South Carolina as a definitive favorite all season long. Then I watched that game last weekend against Miami, and I realized they only gave up 33, whatever it was, so their defense was fine. But they couldn't score at all, didn't even get to 50, so that that gave me a bit of pause. And then the team you have in Stanford this weekend – I mean, wow, they just dominated both of their games. I mean, dominated both of their games, and they're getting Maryland who's playing as well as they have all season. I, I don't know about you, Debbie. I, I'd be uh, less inclined to make Stanford the runaway favorite at, at this point than I was you know, a few weeks ago.
3: Well, you know, you're right about Stanford's ability to score. And let me say this about Maryland. They led the nation in scoring last year better than 90 points a game. They have the exact same team back, but now they're healthy. They haven't really been whole all season. So that makes this matchup so compelling. I'll take you guys back uh, because I'm in my research, I was remembering that in 2008 – I was here in Spokane. I've been here five times for the women's regional. And in 2008, it's one of the best games I ever saw in the NCAA tournament. It was a 98-87 win by Stanford over Maryland in Spokane, where Candace Squiggins for Stanford had 41, and Christy Tolliver for Maryland had 35, both of them shot the ball like lights out. It was a back-and-forth offensive affair at the end of the game. It was fantastic, and to think about that being in regulation and the chance that we might get a similar game this year, I would highly anticipate that. So it's definitely worth tuning in to watch.
2: You know what I love about both tournaments, uh, and you brought up a great point, is some of these matchups are ones that you just don't see in the regular season. When you look at you know the NBA playoffs, everyone who's playing against each other has played against each other. So you at least you have something to go on. But here, there's so many compelling stories about, oh, you, as you mentioned, you know, you've know you got a team from this conference that's way more physical than this conference has seen, or this one's way speedier than that conference has seen. And, and so it makes that anticipation so much, you know, so exquisite going into these games just to see, uh, you know, kind of which, which teams is going to impose their will on the other for, again, these teams that have never seen each other live.
3: I mean, that's what's exciting about it, right? And certainly it's it's more interesting for us, you know, as, as um, somebody like me who's a deep dive analyst into the strategies of how both teams are going to be able to win. Or how can you keep another team um, from having their first or second option be successful? I mean, that's the fun part for me. That's what I'm mostly looking forward to is, you know, seeing a lot of offense in the Stanford-Maryland game, because I anticipate that to be a high-scoring game, and then watching can the will of Texas defense hold back two of the better guards in the Big Ten. You know, there's a different style of quickness and athleticism involved, and there's a bit different, you know, like Ohio State's an excellent scoring team. You know, does offense beat defense? Does, does Texas have enough offense to be able to score with Ohio State? Those are the things that are compelling, and especially on this stage when if you can put a little game pressure, you know, that's why these coaches work so yeah. hard to build the right kind of habits so you get into an, a late-game situation and you absolutely know what to do with your team.
0: Uh, that Maryland Stanford game you're talking about, uh, Debbie, is tomorrow night 9:30 Eastern at ESPN. That 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 stands out to me as maybe at least on paper the game of uh, this round. Uh, anyway, uh, what do you make of the uh, the ACC teams? Four made it through uh, to the Sweet 16. North Carolina's got the incredibly tough assignment of. Uh, South Carolina coming up in Greensboro. So they're both going to be reasonably close to home uh, for that one. Uh, An actual ACC game in the Sweet 16 is NC State with their one seed and and Notre Dame. And uh, Louisville's kind of made it through uh, unscathed so far. they got Tennessee coming up. Uh, What what pops about the ACC? And uh, do you foresee the two one seeds, uh, especially uh, being able to make the Final Four?
3: Well, you know what, Brian, because we cover the game so intimately all season long, we've known that this is the deepest the ACC has ever been. Getting eight teams to the tournament is not the first time, but eight successful teams being able to win in advance, that's what's impressive to me. This is the sixth time that the ACC has had four or more teams in the regional, in the Sweet 16. So um, the league has been good and has prepared you for everything. But the thing about the ACC is there's great guard play, there's incredible athleticism, And they're very well coached and prepared. Right before I was called, I was on the phone with Courtney Bangert, the head coach of North Carolina. And they're excited about their opportunity to play South Carolina and see what they can do in matching up against 11 McDonald's All-Americans. I mean, and one of the best players in the country in Aaliyah Boston. So um, I think the ACC has done very well. I'm disappointed in NC State's seeding. I've said this many times you win the regular season and you win the ACC tournament title and your gift is Bridgeport, geography has to come out of our game. It's too much of a factor when the product is the narrative. Our product is good enough where we don't need geography in our game. And having to play Notre Dame in the regional semifinals, I thought you weren't supposed to meet a team in your conference until the regional final. That used to be a piece of the policy and procedure of the NCAA. And I'm waiting on an answer from that for the last four days. I haven't gotten an answer from anyone on the committee on why NC state is playing North uh, playing Notre Dame in the regional semifinals, a team that they already played earlier in the year, obviously, and lost to. So NC state's really got the chip stacked up against them, but I hope that they'll resolve and their toughness shows out uh, and that they're, they're able to come out of that. But that's the most challenging situation. And then to your point about Louisville, I've said all year, Brian, they were a number one seed at the very beginning of the college basketball season. I said, Dana who, in reference to Dana Evans, which wasn't a slam on Dana, the back-to-back ACC player of the year, it was more of a compliment to Louisville's program and their system and the way they play. Now, Jeff Wells has been to the Final Four. He has uh, the ability to game manage at this point and this level and in this time, and um, his team's an elite-level defense, so... I think the ACC has done a very good job putting uh, four teams in the um, Sweet 16, and I expect them all to have success, except for NC State and Notre Dame, obviously, playing each other. I expect NC State to win that game.
0: All right. Uh, last thing for you uh, here, uh, Devin, you're right about that region like NC State just got put in an unbelievably uh, bad spot in playing first Notre Dame with a lost to uh, one of their three losses all season. But the, the thing with the UConn thing, I mean, UConn, obviously, they're going to make they make the final four every year anyway. And but they do get the benefit. They are playing very close to home almost every year to do it. They looked. I mean, they they almost threw it away there late against UCF the other day. Uh, this UConn team looks as fallible as any I've seen in a very long time. Uh, are, do you think they've got what it takes? Uh, should it come down to UConn and NC State? And uh, realistically, they're going to have a tough time with uh, Indiana tomorrow or Saturday as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be an easy path for anyone when you get to this point. But some some styles of play and some matchups are just more challenging and then you have to play in an environment which is going to be a ninety eight percent house full of Yukon. Uh and then you gotta worry about the whistle. You know, and so there's a lot of things that factor into having a home crowd advantage. Uh but I, I expect N C State has enough grit. I think they have enough scoring about uh power, enough scoring punch. And yes, I mean UConn has been to thirteen consecutive final fours it's a mark that no one has matched they are an elite level they're the standard and yes they've been a little bit vulnerable because they've been injured this year but uh i think they're fine i think they'll be 100 percent, and they're still going to be tough to knock out
0: all right tebby uh, thanks as always i'm, I'm going to join uh, what you've always campaigned for let's just get this entire round out to vegas and, and do it out there <laughs> there's eight million arenas we'll get that going we'll, have, we'll all have a good time out there one of these years huh Hey, let's do it,
3: Brian, because the game deserves it. These players and coaches deserve it. Um, We've gone past the geography model, and uh, let's hope we can get that done That sometime that somebody will agree with us. Thank you for having me (laughs) on the show, guys.
0: All right, that is Debbie uh, Antonelli. We'll uh, see her on ESPN uh, tomorrow night out in Spokane on, on Sunday with the Sweet 16 and the regional finals uh, for the women. It's so always like that. Uh, everybody goes to Vegas idea. Who can who can go against that? All right, well, one final break, and I'll wrap it up here with Danny after this. It is Shays and Higgins here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.
1: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shays and Higgins. All right, wrapping the hour here
0: today. Don't forget FanDuel throughout your weekend with the NCAA tournament. New customers get $150. Instant bonus guaranteed. All you got to do is bet $5 on something. Anything. Doesn't matter what. You get $150. Uh, that's pretty easy. You know the promo codes. They are Danny in Syracuse. They are basketball in Utica. If you are a new customer, sign up. Deposit $5. Bet it on something. And you get $150. It could not be in any way easier than that. You must be 21 and over and physically present in New York. First online real money wager only. You must deposit $10 and then bet five of it. Bonus issued is a non-withdrawable site credit that expires 14 days after retreat. Restrictions apply. Full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Help with a gambling problem, 877-8HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. All right, Danny, got uh, right about a minute left here. What, uh, what's the biggest thing you want to see tonight? Like number one, what's top of the list for Danny tonight with these games?
2: Well, I've uh, you know I picked Arizona. I'm going to be seeing how they go tonight. But really, it's the pace of the game. Is physical? It's it, you're going to have these physical teams trying to clog up these top seeds. And uh, so you know we're going to see uh, you know Arizona, Gonzaga. Are they going to be able to have their way inside against the against these physical defenses? And uh, you know Duke, Duke, and, and uh, Texas Tech. I think that's going to be the barn burner game tonight
0: all right looking forward to it we'll break it down tomorrow the games tomorrow we'll get into as well as we get back at at it tomorrow here on chase the niggins on the block coming up next